Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast for the round one recap of the first playoff event, the Northern Trust. And joining me tonight is Mark Immelman, who is on the grounds today. Mark, uh, how you doing? What's going on? Man, you guys are onto a sweet spot up here in the Northeast. I mean, the temperature outside was about 78, maybe 80, low humidity. The weatherman apparently here in Providence, uh, Norton, Massachusetts, just over the, the state line said, it was the best day of the year. So I'm good. Thank you very much. How about you? Yeah, well, I'm a couple hours away from you down here. And so I'm in Southern Connecticut and it is just a perfect day. It's, it's gorgeous out. Like you said, low humidity. The sun is shining. This is we're entering the best time of year in the Northeast, which is kind of typically it's early September um, mm-hmm. and even all, all through September and early October, really. But it's just gorgeous. So I'm glad you get up here. Um, and what a great tournament we're, we're off to here. We had some really low scores. We had a ton of birdies out there. The afternoon provided some great birdies. It may not be the leaderboard we expected, but at the same time, there's been some great play. And Mark, we'll start with Harris English. Um, Harris English is a guy who on this podcast has been quite popular with many of our picks. Mm-hmm. Um, not just for this week, but in weeks past, because his form has been so good. He's finished in the top 20, uh, I, I think, every start except for one, except for his first start since the restart. So he has been playing great. What would you make of his round today? Um, honestly, pardon me, what I make of it, and I'm just looking at a text here um, from Justin Parsons, his new coach. It, it's more of the same, and I was expecting a little more of this, to be honest with you. Um, last week at the Wyndham Championship, when he opens up with 64 and 67, and he's in the penultimate group on the weekend. And it's not that sharp early on Saturday and, and sort of bounces back for, for 68 and keeps himself in the thing, uh, in the tournament, I should say. And so, you know, on a golf course like this, where it's really a second shot place because the greens are big, but there's so much movement on them that you have to sort of play to quadrants. So distance control trajectory, that sort of stuff becomes very important. And there's not much rough. There's enough in spots with a fescue and stuff to get into trouble but you can sort of spray it some off the tee, but if you're hitting good irons, you're on your way. And that's right in his wheelhouse. And I want to share this. This was a text from last week from his coach, Justin. And I said to Justin, hey, I've got him this afternoon in the show. Any insights? And he goes, here you go. Uh, I want him to be disciplined in his routines and processes. He's taking time each day, uh, taking each day at a time, mental discipline on the business end of the season. Now, as we go into the playoffs, and he's continuing the, the diligent work on consistency in the takeaway. He'd gotten a bit closed or shut starting back in San Francisco, PGA week, the week prior. Now, what Justin's saying there for Wyndham, the regular season finale, is sort of right what's up one's alley if you need some success in the playoffs. You know, you stay one shot at, the t- uh, at a time. There's this big prize out front, but if you just be disciplined about your thing, you know it's important now to play. And, and I think the main thing, in this time of the year, folks think, well, I've got to earn points, so I've got to make birdies. The truth of it is, 
you've just got to pick off one every four or so, four or five holes or so, and you can be in grand shape. And that's sort of what he did today. If you look through the round, struck his irons well like he normally does. That's the kind of um, the, the watchword of his game. But, you know, he had runs and he had a couple of bogeys in there, but, but, you know, it didn't look like there was anything super, you know, super special. It just looked like he was doing what Harris English does. He's swinging the club so nice right now. It's great to watch. If he, uh, he is projected right now to move up to third, obviously a lot of golf left, but he's off to a great start. Um, another player tied for the top of the lead at seven under par, Kevin Streelman. Kevin Streelman's a guy who uh, I consider to be a pop-off kind of a player, a pop-up kind of player. He pops up and goes crazy low every once in a while. It seems to happen at the Travelers. It seems to happen at Valspar. It just it happens every once in a while here and there. But this year, he's been playing some great golf. Uh, we've seen a lot more of Kevin Streelman this year than I can remember in the past. Uh, did his round impress you today? Do, do you think that is, there's something that he does that maybe – uh, is a little bit more impressive or, or is going to last a little bit longer through this tournament than some of the other competitors? He certainly does impress me. Uh, he's, he impresses me as a human being. I mean, he's just a diamond of a man. He's, he's so softly spoken and so gracious. And, and, and he's the kind of guy that's easy to root for because he treats people so well. But if there's something about his game that stands out, he hits a really heavy ball. He hits the center of the club face often. And he flats balls well. And again, just like Harris, he's a good iron player. And, and that's why places like Valspar at Innisbrook, where the greens are small and you have to put the ball in play and hit your irons well, he'll excel. Same thing with Travelers. Travelers are similar grasses, fescue in the rough blue grass. And then you've got biggish greens with some movement on them. So it, it's, it's apparent to me that when he's in a place where your iron game will sort of lift you to the forefront, that he makes hay. And he's doing some more of that this week in uh, Boston. He led the field in strokes gain approach the green today, gaining 4.497, which is just a great round. And when I look at Kevin Streelman, he can go really low when he gets the putter rolling. He shot seven under today, and he was 67th in strokes gain putting. He lost yeah. about a third of a shot. So um, he is definitely swinging the club very well. And uh, I got to look at that statistical model and say that uh, he's going to be around for a little while. So you got to love Kevin Streelman on that, uh, from that standpoint. Now, Mark, Cameron Davis is a player um, who we've talked about here on the first cut uh, the past couple of weeks. He's been playing some great golf coming mm -hmm. in. No surprise. This is kind of a, a common theme you're seeing near the top of the leaderboard. A lot of players who have been playing really well coming in are playing well again this week. He was tied 12th at the 3M, tied 32nd at Barracuda, tied 15th at the Wyndham. You could get him for only 6300 on DraftKings. Rick and I talked about him on Tuesday. Uh, and this golf swing is so impressive. I mean, are, are you with me on this? This golf swing is, is way underrated. It's something we're going to be watching for a while. Well, he's tall, he's lanky, Australian, he's, he's strong, and you're right. It's, it's, a, it's a big, wide, languid sort of an arc that generates a lot of speed and and Nick Faldo in the show today made the point to Terry Gannon. Uh, there was a, we, we went to break and there was a scenic of the golf course where you could see the fairway cut between these Gilhans bunkers and the fescue, you know, makes that beautiful, you know, way of shaping fairways, kind of a real pretty scene. And Faldo goes, wow, Terry, if any, you were going to have a, if ever you were going to have a look that looked like Sunningdale, that's it right there. You know, Sunningdale, of course, over in England, you know, of course, it's very similar to those courses in the sand belt down in Australia, where Cameron's from, 
where he's won an Australian Open. So he's coming in here with good form. It's a course that sort of fits what he's used to. It's not as firm as some of those sand belt places. But again, you've got to put the ball in the right areas. And so you see with all of these guys atop the leaderboard, they have been um, – They've attacked when merited, uh, but the rest of the time they've hit the ball into the right place. And, and that certainly is, is, is something to, that you have to do if you want to be successful around the TPC Boston. If, if the weather continues the way it is, I believe this golf course will really firm up. You made the point about how it's not quite as firm as the sand belt. I, I really feel uh, when, when the weather gets like this in the Northeast and the humidity is out of the air, the golf courses get into the best shape. There is no better place to play than the Northeast in the fall, my opinion. Now, I, I haven't played overseas. I haven't played it. So maybe that's an aggressive statement. But the Northeast this time of year, especially in September, and I say that because we're getting kind of September-like weather right now, the, the greens get so good. They get so firm. They get so fast. What do you think, Mark? Hey, I'm with you over there. Um, to me, October, <coughs> pardon me, anywhere in the world is a good time to play golf. And we started to see that today. Uh, I'm looking forward to the U.S. Open, incidentally, you know, to see how that wing foot shows up at this time of the year, too. Anyways, um, so we were on the golf course. And this morning, if you watch the coverage on PGA Tour Live, the course was green. And then this afternoon, there, wasn't, there was enough wind to dry the place out a little more. But with all sorts of sunshine, low humidity, very few clouds in the air, you could see the course baking out. And the rough baked out some. The fairways started to dry up. Uh, the greens firmed up. And they picked up a clip more speed. But I'm with you. I mean, there's not much rain forecast. And, and by Sunday afternoon, this place could be a pretty good test. Now, um, uh, another guy who Kyle really liked last week as a sleeper, I believe it was last week, um, but it was Russell Henley. And Russell Henley gets him, he, he found his way at seven under, um, basically playing the last four holes in four under par. So he made birdie at 15, he made birdie at 17, he made three at 18, which was just awesome to see. He's starting to really hit the ball nicely. Uh, and he played another great round, and he gets in there, tied for the lead at seven under par. You think he's got any staying power this week? Are you liking where Russell Henley's game is right now? A few years ago when this event used to be the Deutsche Bank. Actually, no, it was never really the Deutsche Bank, but the Deutsche Bank Championship was held at TPC Boston. Um, Russell was in the final group on Sunday afternoon, uh, and I remember calling him then, and he sort of stumbled some, and Chris Kirk and Rory McIlroy overtook him, but he had a top five. Um, and then there was another year he was in contention as well. So he's clearly comfortable around here. He's the kind of guy that's – he sort of plays his own game. He, he, he doesn't really work very hard on things. He plays a lot of golf. He actually lives down in Columbus, Georgia, where we are. And so I, I get to watch him up close, and he pops by every so often to sort of just get my take on stuff and practice at our facility. But he's never one to overthink the game. And when he gets on a roll, he kind of becomes like that basketball player. Incidentally, in high school, he was all state. Uh, he's just a wonderful shooter. But he's the kind of guy that when he gets on a roll, he just goes. You know, he's not going to back down for anything. And so I've watched him over the last few weeks. I talked briefly, briefly with him last week. He said the game was sound. So I'm not at all surprised because he's that sort of a guy. So, yeah, I'd, I'd expect he'd hang around. He, he reminds me a lot of Kevin Streelman in the sense that uh, – and this is one of the best sayings in the game. He's not afraid to go low. And that's really it, – it's, it's funny because it's way overused. And obviously, you wouldn't be afraid to go low. But he, he's comfortable when he gets really far under par. He, he doesn't get himself worked up. You're not going to see him make 
seven birdies in a row and a double on the very next hole because he he's never been seven under before. He's comfortable with it. And he gets so hot with those irons. He's he's a great iron player, has been all year. Uh, he's in the top 20 for strokes gain approach the green for the year. And this week, in, in today's round, he was sixth. He had ask, 18 greens too. Go ahead, Mark. I want to ask you a question because curiously, um, if there's a weakness, it's with wedge shots from like, you know, 75 to about 125 yards. And it's what he works on all the time. And, and he's joked with me, he goes, at times I want to lay up to about 150 yards because I'm better from there than what I am from inside of like the 100-yard range. So, so I don't know what the, how the numbers are bearing out, but if there is an Achilles heel, that ordinarily is the weakness. Very interesting. Here's what I'll tell you about today's round. He was uh, third in proximity to the hole. For the 18 holes, his average proximity was 24 feet, 10 inches. Now, uh, that's extremely good, as you know, Mark. And and that number will definitely go up through the week, especially if the greens continue to firm out. But uh, he's he's hitting it flush. And when I see a guy hit 16 of 18 greens at, at that kind of proximity to the hole, you know he's in control of his game because he's not missing to the short side. A lot of times when you see really close proximities, they actually miss a lot of greens. They're, they're hitting at all the corners and yeah. uh, maybe hit short side themselves in a bunker. You get close shots from off the green. But you know you're in control when you're able to play towards the center of the green and get it close enough to give yourself a birdie look and hit that many greens. So, look, a stress-free round for, for uh, Russell Henley. And as you said, he can get on a roll. And today he did late. So um, very interesting to watch. But Mark, the role of the day came early in the round for Sebastian Munoz. I want to just give a little quick hit on this because Sebastian Munoz went out and he opened with seven straight birdies. He made seven birdies in a row. So uh, Harris English posted 64. He's seven under early. It only took Sebastian Munoz seven holes to catch him. He did make a double at the ninth hole, which was unfortunate. But, I mean, you were out there on the golf course today. The front nine, to me, seemed to play a little bit easier. Uh, It looked like it was more scorable. But seven birdies in a row. I mean, did you think that was out there? Uh, Look, with the PGA Tour guys, yes, you always think it's out there. But the golf course, when we got out there for the show, it had begun to firm up already. And, you know, personally for me, maybe I'm not the best guy to ask because the group that I was alongside in Reed – and DeChambeau and Sung JM, they were sort of struggling a little bit. So to me, it seemed like the golf course was really hard. So, but, but, but then again, it was the kind of place that I feel like if you've got comfortable numbers, you've got clubs that matched, and, and you could go ahead and attack, you could get after it some, because it was just soft enough still to have the ball take some spin on the greens. Um, but further than that, you know, if you were on the wrong side of affairs, you could get some funky bounces and some – and you could get the wind to aggravate shots like I saw a little bit. So, you, you know, you, you had to still play. You, you weren't going to stumble your way into runs like that. That's for certain. He, end, he ended the day at, uh, at six under par. He shot one under on the back nine. So Sebastian Munoz is only one, uh, one, uh, one off the lead heading into the second round. And it's interesting because he in fantasy is, is uh, the priced at the minimum. He was at 6000 And Rick and I the other day were talking about how if you're going to take a chance – Sebastian Munoz is priced at the minimum, but he's, you know, like 16th in the FedEx Cup standings. He's a, he's, he's a really good player at times. 
hasn't been a, a necessarily of late. So I just found it interesting. Um, but as I was saying, the front nine, I thought seemed a lot easier. The back nine early, especially seemed to give guys a hard time, but Dustin Johnson did not have a hard time on the back nine. He went out and shot 30 on the back nine. He made birdie at 11 and 12. There was a, port, a point in the morning where 12 was the hardest hole of the day. And when I saw Dustin doing what he was doing, he got to three under through 17 and then made Eagle on 18. He shot 30 on the front. I said, this is, this is Dustin's week because now he's heading into the easy side. At least the, the first half of the front nine is very gettable. Uh, and I thought he was going to go crazy and he shoots 37 and it kind of <laughs> completely lost his steam. Where do you think DJ is with his game right now? Well, it's it's obviously going in the right direction. We've seen that over the last few weeks. Um, the thing about guys like Dustin Johnson and Rory and JT and these sorts of guys, you know, if they have a little bad streak, I think sometimes we all make much ado about nothing really. And, and you know, there could be things at home that no one's aware of. Or you could have a slight injury or whatever the case might be. But at any time, these blue chip guys, these generational talents, they can just get busy. And, um, but, but, but so, so the, what he shot today is sort of not really surprising. But, but the fact that he came back in 37, that's also not really surprising because, as I mentioned, if you just get a few awkward numbers and you miss a few greens in the wrong place, all of a sudden you, you're not going to hemorrhage your way to death, but you're going to have a few paper cuts which can ca- sort of catch up with you. And I think that's what, what caught up with Dustin. But that's, that, that being said, if you offer him 67 and you say, what do you say? And he goes, oh, I'll have that. I'll do that for a few days straight and then maybe one low one. And, and all of a sudden, I'm right back in the thick of things for winning the FedEx Cup. Well, he is um, only three off the lead. And just to give you a couple quick facts here, you'll like this, Mark. 115th in strokes game putting today. He lost 2.296 uh, putting. And he lost off the tee as well. He lost 1.129 <laughs> off the tee. <laughs> Hey, uh, how's Kyle Porter going to, uh, how's he going to rationalize those numbers over there to 67? Well, I think he would say, and he may have tweeted this, uh, golf is dumb. <laughs> so, <laughs> the point is, Mark, that I'm, that I'm making here, he's got a low one in him. He makes a couple of putts, and DJ is a lot better putter than that. He's an underrated putter on tour. And when he starts to make putts, if, if that happens this week, watch out, because he finds himself after a really bad putting day. Uh, just three off the lead. Um, Mark, as you know, in the FedEx Cup. I'm going to call you out. Right? Go ahead. Because yeah. you and your boys, if some guy's on a heater with a blade, all of a sudden you're like, well, this can't last. But then if the guy hasn't made putts, you goes, well, if he starts to make putts, then you look out. I mean, explain that a little deeper to me, please. Okay. I'm happy to. I'm glad you asked. Now, Thanks. I have a little bit of a, of a harder time with this than, um, than Rick and Kyle. Rick and Kyle, I think, Def, they, they buy into it a little more than me. But basically, the putting, strokes game putting especially, is the most volatile statistic. And as you know, as a coach, you can have a great putting round and not make any putts, right? Mm-hmm. You, can, you can hit your target all day long and miss. You can get bad breaks. You can lip out. It, it's extremely volatile. Whereas driving, so much of strokes gain off the tee comes from distance and you show up every day with your club head speed. All the work is done. The skill is acquired beforehand. And now you get to the golf course and that's, it becomes a built in advantage. So it's when you're, when you're predicting these things, it's more likely that you're going to continue to, uh, to gain strokes off the tee. That's going to be a more consistent model most of the time. 
Whereas putting is much more volatile. It can go up and down and it, and it's, it's less likely that you're going to see somebody have a really hot putting day four days in a row. And it's really unlikely that you're going to see someone have an ice cold putting day four days in a row. Although of course these happen, but this is just predictive analysis. Well, well said. And, And I will add to that at this golf course, you can pretty much bet your bottom dollar that the guys that are doing well are making putts and hitting irons. Uh, like I had Bryson today, and you know, ordinarily he's top of the strokes gained off the tee stuff because he hits it so far. He was playing defense a whole lot of the time this afternoon, hitting drives, kind of playing in places where you couldn't really attack very much. And so you've got to put the ball in play off the tee here, that's for certain. Yeah, a- absolutely. So, um, you know, the hard, the hard thing about that, Mark, one last quick point. It's hard for me to say that a guy that's putting really well, when you have a good putting round, it's hard for me to look at that as a bad thing. Um, which so I <laughs> the guy made putts today. He's not going to. He's he's going to lose. It, so that I, I struggle with that a little bit. But I do understand you want to make sure that your uh, that your TV green game is sound because that's more likely to translate into tomorrow. It gives you more leeway to be volatile with the putter. But as we move on, said counselor, <laughs> speaking of volatility. The FedEx Cup points are so volatile. And the projected standings, I'm sure all day long you're hearing them in your ear. We had some big movers. Cameron Davis uh, is projected to jump all the way to six. Now that gives him a T1. So uh, if he wins, if it ended today, he would jump all the way to six. Scott Piercy was 119th entering. He is now inside the top 70 at 68th if it ended today and he finished in tied fourth. Yeah, Louis Oosthuizen going from 99th all the way up to 59th and Charlie Hoffman from 111th to 65th. Now, if you're these players, you're, uh, you're in really good form. Um, you're in really good p- uh, position. These players are all six or seven under. But the, the sad thing is, the scary thing is, you probably have to finish inside the top five to move on to Eastlake. So it will be interesting to see. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a, a notable player falling out. You have Matt Kuchar, who shot even par today. He's down from 63rd to 73rd, right there on the bubble. Phil Mickelson as well, from 67th to 79th. So they definitely have some work to do. Uh, and, and we'll definitely keep you posted on that all week. Now, Mark, well, I another guess, uh, I guess just to that, just for the uh, listeners who aren't familiar with it, 70 is the number. Just top 70 players advance to the BMW in Chicago. And then from there, it cuts, it's, it's whittled down to the top 30. So you're right. The better you do this week, the more sort of breathing room it gives you. But, but the first job is to get inside the 70. And this is the last week with a cut. So tomorrow's round will be the last time for this season that we have a cut. There's no cut at the BMW, no cut at the Tour Championship. Uh, some other players that we got to watch out for, we'll be keeping our eye on Ricky Fowler. He's, he's teetering right around uh, the 70 spot. Tommy Fleetwood, Jordan Spieth, Justin Rose, they are all under par this week. And they are all players that need good finishes to – uh, to advance to the BMW, and they're players we want to see. Another player we want to see at the BMW, and he is expected to play. Uh, it's Tiger Woods, of course, the big cat. We're going to talk about his round, but first we got to take a break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym, and Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance 
Terrence Jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. Uh, I, I thought it was an impressive round from Tiger today, Mark. Uh, he cards a three under par 68. He made five birdies out there, a couple of bogeys. Uh, what did you make of today's round? Was there anything that impressed you? Do you think there's something that he improved upon from this round or from the PGA Championship rather into this round? Well, I haven't seen the numbers, but uh, looking at what I'm seeing just statistically in front of me over here, obviously he made a few more putts which was the bugaboo in San Francisco, to what he, what he was complaining about at the memorial. And so, you know, Tiger's swinging it like he is. He's flatting the ball well. He's, the swing looks free. It doesn't look like there's any issues physically. And the, the driver is complying, and that's allowing him to play some offense with the irons, which, which is his thing. So, obviously, he's made a few putts, uh, and, and I'm sure he's just looking to build on that. I did hear that he put the old faithful putter back in the bag. And so the, the new one that he was trying was on a short leash and was banished to the closet. So, so, so maybe there was some mojo on the greens. Uh, but for Woods, the main thing for me is always health. And, and to what I saw of his round, his swing looked free enough and he didn't look labored, and that's always a good sign. He struggled hitting fairways on, on his first nine, which was the back nine. And he read this quote, there aren't really a whole lot of opportunities on that back nine unless you drive it in the fairway, which I did not. So it played awfully hard, uh, and I made it even harder on myself. He was able to get around and even on the back nine, uh, and he turned over to the to the first nine, his second nine, and he was able to shoot three under. So, uh, look, I think it puts him, him right in contention. He's got to hit more fairways tomorrow so we can get it close to these holes. It seemed to me when I'm watching on, on this golf course, it seems like there are a lot of angles to the greens. Mm. Uh, it, would you agree with that, Mark? Yeah, it's hard because a lot of the fairways, especially those that Tiger references on the back nine, the fairways sort of sit at a bit of a caddy corner to you. And so there's different lines you can take. And then with these bent grass fairways, when they start to play firm and, they, and they've got these humps and hollows and things everywhere, it's almost like Lynx golf. So you can hit one that lands on the wrong side of one of these humps and kicks through the fairway and runs off into the rough. Or you can get a good bounce that goes in the right direction. So... Uh, you, you, you have to sort of play the shape of the fairway off the tee. You, you, you can't just get there and bust a fade into the fairway all the time. So that's number one. And then number two, you have to be striking the ball pretty well because there's just enough crosswinds on all of these holes in the back nine that I saw that if you sort of spinning one up against the breeze, a hole like 10, a hole like 12, you'll get tripped up pretty fast. And 12 is a daunting hole. It's 500 plus. You know, 13 is one up the hill. You've got to drive it long and straight. 14, you back down the hill. It was another big hole that, like, you know, it's like a 300-yard carry over the corner of the thing. So they're difficult fairways to hit from that point of a view. And so it does ask you from the tee to, 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 to swing with, not with caution, 
but to play smartly. You can't just go and bludgeon the ball off the tee and, and hope for the best. I think that's one of the reasons why Tiger's had some success here because you have to think your way around the golf course. Yeah. So I'm very interested to see what he does moving forward. He has played some really positive uh, opening rounds that haven't necessarily led to positive results. So hopefully we can get three more quality rounds like we had today out of Tiger Woods. A couple players in the field who did not play very well. Um, Bryson DeChambeau, as you were covering, Mark, shot even par. Abe Answer and Cam Champ were one over. Phil Mickelson was three over. And Sung Im, Rick and I, we said he was back. He shot four over today. Anybody in that stand out to you you think may have a, a great bounce back round tomorrow? You know, I'm going to go off that list and, and, and go for my one-and-done pick, Billy Horschel. I, I was mortified to see him. You know, he was three under through seven, and then he makes three doubles on his last 11 holes to shoot a couple over. And so I expect Horschel will bounce back, although he is in the afternoon tomorrow. You know, of that list, I look for Bryson and Sungjae, who are playing together. You out early tomorrow morning, a little softer golf course. You know, they would have the advantage, I would say. And, and Bryson today... He didn't strike his irons particularly well. He hit the driver great. Um, so if he can hit a few more irons, I feel like he can sort of sneak under par. And, and the good thing for those guys is the lead hasn't gotten away too much. So with a good day tomorrow, and then hopefully the course firms up in the afternoon, you know, you're still in the mix come the weekend. Uh, to me, Bryson is the guy I'm looking at in that group. Uh, Abe Answer, he, he could definitely turn it around and, and get a couple under, but I'm not sure he has the firepower to get himself back in the tournament the way Bryson does. I, I look at Bryson's round at even just like you, uh, and I, I think the iron play was a, was a serious weakness for him today, uh, and it was maybe a little bit disappointing. And I think that can turn around a little bit quicker for him than it can for some of these other players because of the, the clubs he can leave himself into greens. So mm -hmm. there are so many birdie opportunities on this golf course especially for Bryson. So I, I look at Bryson and I think tomorrow he's going to go, uh, he's going to go really low and get himself right back in the mix. Um, but Mark, we have a new segment here. We have a new small segment to end the show today. Yeah. And it is um, maybe a tip you can use uh, producer Jacobs tip of the day. <laughs> Danny McCarthy. Presented by. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're still working on that. Right. Danny McCarthy shot two under. He lost nearly two strokes putting today. And at the same time, on the year, he leads the PGA Tour in strokes game putting, uh, and he basically averages over a full stroke every single round. I think you're going to see a bounce back from him. Um, and if he gets back close to his average, Danny McCarthy, the way he's been striking his irons, uh, is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, you, are you with, Jacob? You think this is a good tip here? You know what? I, I'm actually going to – drop onto my knees and pray for Jacob, who I've got a really soft spot for because clearly he's fallen for you strokes gain fools as stuff <laughs> for, uh, in producing how many of these podcasts. Uh, what he says has merit, but you know what? Yeah, okay, okay. I'll, I'll leave it right there. Yeah, Yes, Denny is a good player, but he's got some going to go. And just because he had a bad putting day this week and he's normally pretty good on the greens, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to bounce back. That sounds like you guys in any other podcast that we normally record. This is what we call, in, in the biz, predictive analysis. So, <laughs> great work. I love it. Uh, you know, hey, find the statistics that support your point or that support the point you want to make. And that is the key to making a successful argument. <laughs> Mark, we can continue that conversation. Off there. Oh, well said. <laughs> but that's 
all we have for you tonight. Um, great job out on the golf course, Mark. We'll be listening to you all week. You can get Mark Immelman on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. You can get me on Twitter at the Real GFD. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.